0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're back, baby. It's 2023. Dave and I are talking the FFPC playoff challenge on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin. It's something like our 400th episode together or something. We're going to do the math, man. We're going to do the math before <laughs> we really get into the, the nitty-gritty of the offseason. Uh, you know, we're just old, I don't know, an old married couple at this point, but it's going to be a new journey together attacking this playoff challenge man like the nfl regular season's over we already got coaches getting canned we've got quarterbacks being criticized and quarterbacks promising to make new draft picks lives a living hell in practice (laughs) (laughs) we've got everything man we've got everything and uh i'm feeling juiced and ready to cut this thing up man I i had a good day i was listening to some some rockabilly you know i poured a I poured a, a Russell's Reserve single barrel before the show. I'm feeling very much like in my element. You know, you have those days where you feel like you're yourself. You know, I'm having that day today, Dave. So um, All right. it's it's your treat, man. It's your treat. I like it. Well, I mean, you you sure sounded fired up yeah.
2: in the intro to this episode. And really, why wouldn't you be? We have playoff football on the horizon. We have a couple of awesome playoff contests going on. Every year we sit here, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we're going to approach those contests at my FFPC, and they always prove to be fun. And we now have some projections and expectation of what we can expect in week one or week one of the playoffs here, the wild card round. So we we got a lot of exciting things on the horizon, Curtis.
1: Yes, we do. And we've got some great content that kind of underlies uh, what we're going to be talking about on today's episode and also on Friday morning's episode. Uh, None other than Sean Siegel writing a couple of our strategic pieces for these playoff contests. Uh, We've got a piece, underdog playoff prices are changing quickly, five tactical moves to take advantage. And Sean is actually updating this piece uh, over the course of the week. So be sure to check that out. Uh, we'll keep it docked on the front page to make it easy to find. And then, um, actually, today we have the masterpiece: fourteen teams, forty-nine players, and five hundred k. How every piece fits in our quest to win FFPC playoff gold. Sean, I am sorry, you and your partner can get second place. Dave and I <laughs> will be will be taking yes. first, but n- nobody weaves a title together quite like like Sean. Um, man, let's just get into it. And and we're going to focus, I think today, uh, on the FFPC contest, but we'll build some lineups for both formats, uh, on Thursday. It's gonna be really fun, Dave. So let's, let's get a drop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want, you want to hit one more just for good measure? No, that was all, that's all one. <laughs> okay, that was all one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there are actually two contests to choose from over at my ffpc.com to playoff challenges. So we have uh, their namesake playoff challenge. That is the one that has a $500,000 grand prize. It's a $1.4 million prize pool. It's $200 to enter. And uh, Sean laid it out pretty well in his title. I mean, you've got uh, 14 teams. Uh, you got a, a bunch of players to choose from. You can choose any player that you want. It is not a draft based contest. Uh, this is an old school circle the name in the magazine type contest, but you can only pick one player from each team, a maximum of one player, um, or you know, unit from each team. and you will also have to fade some teams, not having exposure to any of their assets. And then you will also do what we call a soft fade, where you know you're maybe picking uh, an unexpected player uh, from a squad that you expect to only play one game, and that's a a place that you can find. Uh, a little bit of variance, or you know, you could potentially select a team defense or kicker uh, to those teams that you are soft fading. So we'll get into that a little bit more of the strategic elements of it on Thursday. The other contest is the is laid out the same way. Um, it's the the same scoring, the same type of lineup, but that is the Football Guys Playoff Challenge. It's also on myffpc.com as a one hundred thousand dollar grand prize with a prize pool just short of a half million, but the entry fee is only. And so there's a maximum of 16,000 entries on the football guys playoff challenge and a maximum of 7,800 entries on the FFPC playoff challenge. So from a contest selection standpoint, you know, obviously that big prize is over on, you know, the, the main uh, you know, on the main slate that that what I would call the main slate, you know, the, the title um, you know, the title contest there. So that's where Dave and I really focus. We're going to put a couple of entries in there under the podcast name and, you know, we may play a little bit of solo there too. Um, you know, Dave, I think this is my something like my fifth year playing it. Um, I've won a couple of main event entries in this contest, uh, and a little bit of cash. I haven't quite gotten to that area where I've had a substantial payout. I mean, not that, not that a main event entry isn't substantial. I mean, winning two grand or the equivalent of two grand off of a $200 entry you know, it's great to 10 X anytime you can, but you know, I, I want to get this $500,000 grand prize with you this year. So I'm glad that we've got some projections yep. from the road of his tools to look at some of the upside. Um, anything you want to add just about the general structure of these contests or any differences that you've noticed maybe about the pool and one or the other before we start talking to some players.
2: I don't know that I have any major notes that we need to share here other than kind of like some of the things that you alluded to, I think one of the things that people need to do when they sit down and start thinking about this is coming up with ways that they can make their team different. If you try to go all chalk in this, from what I have witnessed over the years, Mm -hmm. that's not the type of thing that's going to get you the 500,000. Like I've gone chalk and I've done pretty well, you know, thought that I've been kind of in the running. Then you get to the last week, And you don't have any of those unexpected guys that go off and you kind of fall out. But that's what really makes this fun. This is a great time to incorporate players that you enjoy that aren't the top names on their team. Because if they go off and you have, you know, the rest of a solid lineup, it can play big dividends.
1: Yeah. The other thing too, Dave, uh, an important thing to note, um, and we'll get more into this on uh, the Friday morning episode, Super Bowl points count double. Yes, and exactly. So that yep. that is yep. that is you know that's the big wrench, man. That's the big wrench. So, uh, you you definitely need to nail uh, to, uh, to to really maximize your chances of winning. You've got to have a play, at least a player from each squad that makes the Super Bowl represented. So, you know, it would be a disaster to to hard fade a team or to even soft fade a team that right. went to the Super Bowl and be stuck with their kicker or defense or something like that. So, yep. um, that'll underlie everything else that we talk about. And, uh, yeah, Dave, let's talk some players. All right,
2: let's start at quarterback Curtis, because there is an interesting, there there's two pretty interesting results. Now these players are on teams that make it kind of interesting and they happen to be playing in the same game. You have the chargers and the Jaguars facing off with the Chargers favored by one and a half points. One of the closer games in terms of spread projected for the weekend. And what's super interesting about this game, Curtis, is, (coughs) excuse me, um, you have Trevor Lawrence getting the second highest average projection of all quarterbacks on the week. A 21.6, his 75th percentile of 27.2 is also the second highest of players. And actually 30% of his matches went for more than 25, 20 were between 20 to 25. This is a pretty phenomenal projection for Lawrence. You contrast that with Justin Herbert, who's down at 14.6. So bad, in fact, where Cooper Rush to play. Cooper Rush would have a GLSP higher than Justin Herbert. Not what you like to see. Um, (laughs) Not at all. So I found this to be kind of interesting. Now, Trevor Lawrence, you know, in a a playoff challenge contest where there's guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you're probably not going to be that interested in going for him. But... That is nonetheless a really interesting way that one could differ, differentiate themselves. And who knows, you know, with a spread like that, it looks like there's some chance that we see the Jaguars make it through the first round and take another, uh, get another shot for, for Lawrence in, in the second round.
1: Yeah. You, just, you kind of start looking at the, you know, the bracket. And, you know, while both of these names are, you know, interesting from a week to week proposition in fantasy with Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, you have to really ask yourself, do I see a path to three games yeah. for either of these guys uh, for them to make to, for them to make your lineup? You know, it's different over in the underdog contest where, you know, you're, you're drafting players and, you know, maybe because of your strategy, you know, you get frozen out a little bit at that position, you know, here, you know, we can choose Patrick Mahomes, we can choose Josh Allen, you know, we can do those things freely. Uh, you know, we could even choose Jalen hurts or Kirk cousins on the other side. And, you know, so you just have to ask yourself now, We've seen it before, you know, the wildcard team with a young quarterback, you know, gets hot and goes all the way to Super Bowl. You know, we saw it with year two, Tom Brady, you know, we saw it with Ben Roethlisberger early in his career. So it's not unheard of. I mean, the Jags would be very unsung to get all the way there. It's, it's definitely, I mean, I guess I don't, I I wouldn't hate Lawrence as much as Herbert. I don't see how the Chargers uh, could really do it, but um, they just don't. Which is an odd thing to be saying. It it just feels
2: weird to listen to it, but I'm inclined to not push back on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Jags have just had, they've had some really interesting games over the back half of the season. Um, You know, they played the Chiefs pretty tough on the road, 10-point road loss back in mid-November. They beat the Ravens, who are in the playoffs, by a point at home. Um, they, they They whooped the Titans on the road, who were in it until last week. They beat the Cowboys in overtime at home. Um, you know, and then, and then they, you know, I mean, they won their last five, you know, coming in and, you know, this is a home game against the Chargers. So it's a, it's a good situation for them. And what would really make the Jags interesting? You start looking at, at the ways that they could get a third game is like, all right, you know, could Miami beat Buffalo on the road? You know, um, if, if Miami were to win and, you know, Baltimore were to, to go on the road and somehow upset Cincy, you know, the Jacks could be playing the dolphins at home in the second round. Um, or excuse me, the Dol- the dolphins could be playing the, or the Jacks could be playing the Ravens at home rather with the dolphins going on the road to the Chiefs. So you have to start, if you're going to play Lawrence, you have to also pick the rest of your lineup to make sense in that way. So, you know, I, do you think that the Jags, if, if, if the chalk holds in the first round, can the Jags then go on the road and upset the Chiefs? If you don't think that, you know, he's just not a play for you. So I think I feel pretty safe saying, you know, right now, since this isn't the lineup building episode, let's talk about those quarterbacks, Dave, uh, that aren't on bye this week that we would want to consider that th- would maybe be more likely to be the chalk in the contest. So let's talk about at this position, Joe Burrow, you know Josh Allen and um you know maybe even Kirk Cousins I think those are the guys yep. that if if you're going to fade Hurts and Mahomes those are the ones you're probably considering
2: Sure so Josh Allen I don't think it should come as much of a surprise given what we've seen from him in the GLSP over the course of this year really separates himself as the top selection at the quarterback position 44% of his matches went for 25 or more points, has an average of 22.9. And if you go in and you review the stats that get him there, you'll see, not only is he pegged for 260 passing yards and two touchdowns, 40% of his matches scored rushing touchdowns against opponents like Miami. So there wow. is a lot of upside here, 75th percentile of 299 uh, which makes him one of the more interesting options in comparison to somebody like Joe Burrow. Now Burrow, not too far behind in terms of average with twenty one point five, but only thirty two percent of his matches are mm. above twenty five. Um, so that you know, there's that delta of twelve percent in terms of that tremendous upside. Uh, who was the other player that you mentioned? Cousins. Cousins comes in. Yeah. Much further down the list, an average of just 17.7. In contrast, just 8% of his matches went for 25 or more points. And I guess the other thing that we might want to add in and consider here is I think some people would make an argument that into in comparison to the other teams, there's a much better chance that Cousins does not advance than Allen or Burrow
1: Yeah, maybe not. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, they're you know they're home favorites um, against the Giants. You know that was a really tight game though uh, when they when these teams recently played. Yeah, um, and the Vikings always seem they do always seem to make the playoffs interesting. So you know I, I guess the point of talking about the quarterbacks in this manner is you know if if you're gonna take a quarterback with a chance at four games, which is you know a very reasonable thing to do if you're trying to maximize your upside in the Super Bowl. You know, picking a picking a quarterback from this round that at minimum would get three games, but ideally would get four games, so you get that Super Bowl bonus. You know, those are the ones to really talk about. So, uh, with Allen leading the way, and obviously the Bills being a two seed, and you know they they kind of have that team of destiny feel to them. I yep. expect Allen to have, you know, a, a t- you know, he's probably going to be the the high, most highly owned right. quarterback in in the in the contest. I think, but it'll be for a really good reason. So. Let's talk about the running backs. Yep. Um, we start to get more creative here um, because, you know, you have that flex position. You can go a little bit more running back heavy, depending on how you think that the bracket's going to play out, which backs uh, this week are, are pront for greatness.
2: All right. Well, Christian McCaffrey has an absolutely absurd projection this week. Curtis, uh, based upon what the GLSP is seeing, he has an average of 22.5 with a 75th percentile projection of 30.9. I can't say with certainty, but I think out of the entire season so far, I believe that is the highest uh, 75th percentile projection for a running back that we have seen this year. His 25th is 15.3. Uh, Now, everybody, as everybody would know, San Francisco is playing Seattle. Uh, The GLSP puts McCaffrey at 17 rushing attempts for 79 yards. 90% of his matches in games such as this one found the end zone via the ground game. And then 5.2 targets, 4.2 receptions, an additional 35 yards. And 20% of his matches found the end zone as a receiver that is able to give him a distribution where 36% of the matches went beyond 25. Additionally, 16% went between 20 to 25. This makes McCaffrey super interesting because even if the 49ers were to somehow lose this game, it's possible that you could get, you know, two x the production out of him that you're going to get on another back that only plays one game or in a single game could match what you might get from another back in two. And he is the top back by a landslide. Uh, Austin Eckler, who's in the number two is at just 17.7. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was going to ask you about, you know, how Eckler and McCaffrey uh, compared because I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are going to, despite Purdy being the quarterback, a lot yep. of people are going to pick that the Niners is a, a probable multi-game team and while McCaffrey can never get scripted out it also makes it you know uh you know maybe more interesting to talk about Eckler because if the Chargers you know are more likely to be thought of as potentially a one and done team you want to make sure that you get the the player correct right so I I was curious how Eckler would compare so he's the RB2 that he's the RB2 this week but healthily behind uh McCaffrey
2: right so Even in average, McCaffrey's at 22.5. You have Eckler at 17.7. Oh, wow. Uh, And then like in the 25th percentile, McCaffrey's at 15.3 and you have Eckler at 10.7. So Mm. Eckler's, you know, I mean, that's a really solid projection, but he's kind of in that territory that we normally see for a top type of running back, whereas McCaffrey is, you know, above and beyond even what we would expect for him or Eckler. Um, So there is a there is a significant delta.
1: Let's talk Travis EtN, man. We talked, uh, we talked Trevor Lawrence a little bit, let's talk about what would happen. You know, maybe if if this game went the other direction and, uh, you know, the Jags were the one, the one game squad, how's ETN looking?
2: Sure. So ETN not getting nearly the love that Lawrence did. He actually comes in as the RB 16 in this smaller pool this week with an average of 9.1, um, we see just 14% of his matches going for more than 15 points. And how we arrive there from a production standpoint is 51 rushing yards, just 20% of his matches found the end zone. And we're only looking at around two receptions. So not the greatest outlook for ETN. Um, This week, you know, you would have somebody like, even Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, have to see how things play out with the health in Seattle's backfield, but they would both look like much better options.
1: Okay. Uh, and then I think the other squad that I wanted to go to, because I mean, I, you know, we could talk Dalvin cook. I mean, it's hard to like not talk Dalvin cook, yep. but you know, it, it just gets difficult. I think when you've got, you know, and we'll talk tight end a little bit later, but when you've got some of the huge performances out of Hawkinson, and you've yep. got Jefferson there, uh, we already talked about Cousins. Um, for for me, you know, Cooks just always interesting because of his talent. But you know, given the other players, it, it might be difficult to to force him in unless you know maybe you're just you know playing you know one lineup uh, and then right. you're going one one time on this. But um, what about the Buccaneers' backfield? How are they looking in the, in this game?
2: Yeah. So you have Leonard Fournette with an average of ten point five. Um, beyond 15, you have 19% of his matches, 37% of his distribution sandwiched between 10 to 15. So this is looking like a spot where you would expect him to kind of hover around those 10 and a half points. Um, looking down the list a little bit, you have Rashad white coming in with an average of 8.6, fairly similar, in the mid-zones to Fournette, but Fournette does have more upside as you actually see just 2% of White's matches going beyond 15. Um, So those are players, you know, you can expect to get some production out of them, but if upside is something you were looking for, you're not going to see with them what you get from somebody like Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert, or, you know, even Zeke Elliott, for example. Not that you're going to go Zeke because you would go Tony Pollard, but Tony Pollard also looks to have a lot of upside in his matchup.
1: Okay. Okay. I think that's a pretty good overview of the running back, uh, position. You know, when we do our, our mega episode on Thursday night, releasing for Friday morning, we'll get into, you know, maybe a color, a couple other names at the position or talk about the scenarios in which we might play some of these individual guys. Let's talk about, um, some of the more interesting names at, at wide receiver and tight end kind of here in combination, uh, when we consider the passing game.
2: Sure. Well, In contrast to what we're seeing for Fournette and White, both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans score very aggressively this week. Their averages put them at around 18 to 18 and a half points. So they're right in line with Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. Um, Both players had more than a quarter of their matches going for more than 25 points. Godwin's floor is at 10.9. You have Evans at 10.3. Um, So both of these guys carry a significant amount of upside into their matchup with the Cowboys. And you could even argue that though uh, Hill has more upside at the 25th percentile, if you look from 20 up, Godwin and Evans are almost as strong as any other wide receiver this week. So those are two names that might not be as up high on people's list at wide receiver, somebody like Justin Jefferson, who's expected to absolutely smash mm-hmm. 44% of his matches went beyond twenty-five. Second player on the week behind him. You have CD lamb with an average of 20.7, 37% of his matches went beyond 25. Uh, so if you were looking for like the two kind of outliers this week, it's Jefferson and CD lamb. And then you have chase Hill, Godwin Evans, and Keenan Allen um, as the other players kind of towards the top. So I'll pause there and see if you have any feedback or anywhere else you want us to
1: go. I don't really think any of those names uh, surprised me. Right. There were a couple uh, others that I didn't hear, though, that I want to um, yep. talk about. You know, I didn't hear you mention the the Eagles uh, receivers there, unless I glossed over it. Um, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith... If if you go like well, in a one or t-
2: aren't uh, who the Eagles play?
1: Oh yeah, they're yeah they're on by. Okay, on all bye right, making sure right. that that makes sense. Why you didn't mention yep. that they wouldn't they wouldn't have a projection for this week? Um, okay, so what about what about the Jags uh, receivers? So I I think the Jags are just such an interesting team because I I, I feel like you know I feel like Jacksonville is constructed in a way that you know in a soft fade, getting the right player on their team could be important because, like, I, I feel like any game the yes. Jags play in could become a track meet. Well, this and, one's and then yep. also, if they got multiple games, I think it's possible that in multiple games, like, we already talked about maybe the reasons not to play Lawrence, but if you're just talking about like a, a two game situation, like, you could see Evan Ingram, you could see T- Travis Etienne, you could even see Kirk or Joe or Zay Jones. You really see any one of those guys, you know, putting up like 40 points over the course of two weeks. So I'm curious what the really all three of those those guys, you know, Kirk, Zay Jones and and Ingram uh, at the tight end position. I think all those guys are interesting.
2: So what's kind of interesting about this one is if you were looking to try and attack this game in an interesting way, you could do it because Zay Jones actually has a much more favorable projection in this contest then does Christian Kirk. We actually see Christian Kirk getting to just 7% of his matches going beyond 15 across all buckets, whereas Zay Jones actually is 13 between 15 to 20. Uh he has 13 between 20 to 25, even 6% managed to go over 25. So the GLSP oh, wow. is a much bigger fan of Zay this week than it is Christian Kirk. If you look at their average projections, jones is at 12.6 which puts him in around wide receiver 17 christian kirk's coming in at wide receiver 32 so again that creates an interesting situation because you could go for jones in this matchup who's probably going to be a less rostered player than kirk if you're trying to get into uh the jaguars offense without doing it at quarterback
1: And then in that second round game, you know, they're getting the chiefs and both of those guys had solid games last time. It was Kirk that really exploded with the multi-touchdown game, but even Zay Jones in the complimentary role that week uh, still had 14.8 PPR. So, uh, you know, with Jones having, I mean, I think I was doing the quick math, 32% of his matches being at 15 PPR above for this week. That's pretty solid. It Uh, is. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, I like that. Now. Okay. uh I'm making notes here.
2: (laughs) Yep. Another player that I have to call out here too, because he's probably, he's been really solid as of late. But if you're looking at the front page, he's going to stand out as one of the more surprising players. You have Richie James Jr. coming in with an average of 16.8 points. 22% of his matches went beyond 25. You have 16 between 20 to 25. And on a team like the Giants, where you're not, you know, exactly sure what to do there, uh, in this game with Minnesota looks like he could get 70 receiving yards, six receptions, and actually 50% of his matches. Curtis found the end zone as a receiver. So a lot to like there for James is the player that you could trot out from the giants.
1: Yeah. Um, without divulging any more, I would say that Sean's, uh, comments on the giants receivers are pretty awesome uh they raised my eyebrows a little bit yep uh so make sure this is kind of just another plug for his piece um over on the front page of of vertiviz.com right now make sure you check that out if you're looking for some interesting commentary on some of these uh you know lesser thought of plays um and then i I guess we kind of just have to wait for any potential positive to a news on on tyree kill and jalen Waddle, right like it's kind of hard to which, in some ways, it simplifies is, yeah. things, but it also it also you know it's going to simplify things for everyone probably right. Like if, if Tua doesn't play, not that many people are going to be on the Dolphins to advance, and and people that you know in other scenarios would be like, well, I have to have exposure to the Dolphins offense. They could get hot in any given week, and sure, they could upset the Bills. And if they did, then how deep could they go? Instead, it's like, yeah, I don't care if I have Tyreek. Or or Jalen Waddle on my, on my roster. So in some ways it just is is more frustrating to me, but um, without, I mean, without two, you know, it's tough. I mean, the the tools don't know that that two is not playing, but what, what are they showing for, for Tyreek and Waddle just in a one week scenario? Yeah.
2: So there's a pretty big chasm between them. Um, Hill comes in with an average of 18.8, whereas Waddle's at just 14.3 in terms of the actual project, uh, production that they would be looking at, Waddle has a decent projection, but you know it's it's four receptions, seventy yards, fifty percent of his matches found the end zone, which is a good projection. But of course, you know somebody like Tyreek, fifty percent of his matches also found the end zone, expected to go for ninety yards and six point four receptions plus. Some of the players that get into his pool of matches had ridiculous performances, which shoots up his upside. So a lot more upside for Hill over Waddle, which I think given what we've seen this year, uh, if Tua didn't play is also what you would expect. So it's kind of how you manage that. But as I mentioned, it does look like this is a good spot for Wilson and Mostert. Um, so you could get some differentiation because some people might fade Miami altogether. Um, yeah. So that might be how you approach it. Well, let's talk more. Hopefully by the time we, you know, we get back on the pod on Thursday night, there's a little bit more clarity as to what will happen at quarterback.
1: Okay. Um, so we will get into, you know, there's some other names that at, at receiver that we'll need to talk about as we're filling out multiple lineups, but we can save some of that. Um, discussion for Thursday. Let's talk about the top of the tight end position. I mean, obviously, you know Travis Kelsey is going to be popular. You know, in lineups in particular, mm-hmm. you would think that that go with Josh Allen at quarterback. Um, and then you know George Kittle's been you know super hot. Evan Ingram's been super hot. Hawkinson has had some really huge single game scenarios. I think, I think tight end is. I mean could be the sneaky key to winning this whole thing, especially in the tight end premium format. So uh, I, I'm very curious what, what the tools say for week one. And then, you know, that, that may even guide yeah. um, tiebreaker scenarios for us.
2: Well, it absolutely loves TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. with an average of 17.6 over 18% of his matches. What for more than 25 points. That is something that you don't normally see tight ends that are not Travis Kelsey doing, Uh, I mean, you even have 26 between 15 to 20, 18 between 20 to 25. You have basically, underneath 10 points, just 12% of his matches, and then you still have 26 between 10 to 15. So more than half of Hawkinson's matches are going for more than 15 points. I mean, this is just absolutely absurd. Um, Against the Giants, his stat line comes out for an average of 8 2 targets 5.8 reception 71 yards and Curtis 80% of his matches found the end zone. This is, becomes a super interesting way to pivot off of Kelsey at tight end. Maybe you go Mahomes at quarterback you take Hawkinson at tight end and you hope that uh, Minnesota gets past the Giants and then can you know mix things up roll for a couple of games and Hawkinson I think across the playoffs if he does uh, have the opportunity to play is going to come out as a very high-scoring player, especially on the heels of this opening yeah. performance.
1: I think if you went Vikings one and done, um, but you just viewed it maybe as like an opposite opposite scenario of what happened on Christmas Eve, yeah. you could even potentially sneak Hawkinson in as a, a flex soft fade. I mean, he he had 13 receptions for 109 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Yeah. I mean, that is such a massive score in Titan and premium. I mean, it was over 40 points. Yep. And so, um, yeah, he's just, he's just one of those really, um, interesting players. And, you know, I think in, in multi-week scenarios, it gets maybe a little tougher to think that he would outscore Jefferson, but I mean, with 40, 40 point potential, like it demonstrated 40 point potential against the exact squad they're playing against in the same indoor home environment that they played again uh, that they played in on Christmas Eve is, is pretty interesting. Okay. So loves Hawkinson. Yep. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to talk more about him yep. uh, later this week. What about uh, Ingram, Kittle yep. and, and Kelsey? So well, Kelsey won't be playing this week. So Ingram right. and Kittle.
2: So there, there are one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. There's five tight ends this week that I think separate themselves from the pack. When you look at the results, Hawkinson, who we mentioned, you have Dawson Knox, George Kittle, Evan Ingram gets in there, and then you also have Dalton Schultz. So Ingram has an average GLSP this week of 11.7, but a 75th percentile of 15.2. And I think this is notable here because it actually likes Ingram more than it does Christian Kirk, uh, which goes back to the idea if you wanted to get a piece of this passing game, you didn't want to do it through Lawrence. You wanted to be a little bit differentiated. You could do it through Ingram. Um, Knox, though, man, I, I need to. We know I love Dawson Knox. I'm going to take a minute to talk about him here. 13.8 um, in an average outing, his 75th percentile at 18.4, and a floor of 9.1. So, against the Dolphins, what you're looking at is around 57 yards, five receptions, 50% of his matches did find the end zone. Um, Of course, how many people are going to want to trot out Dawson Knox when there's guys man, like Josh Allen, Stefan so Diggs, Devin Singletary? Like, but the thing I would say is they do feel like one of the teams that has more, a higher probability than most of the other teams in this contest to make their way through, end up playing all of the available games. Stefan Diggs does not have a typical Stefan Diggs. Week one projection. Um, Devin Singletary, James Cook, they don't score exceptionally high. This could be a real sneaky way of getting some sustained points at the tight end position. I'm That's, gonna make the case I, for it.
1: I, I'm not saying well, I would do it, but we're lying I, out the options here. I think but yeah, but I don't I don't think you can even I mean I I don't think you can play. Knox in a situation where you think the bills are advancing far. Like (laughs) when, when you, when you play Knox, like the only way to play Knox, I think would be, um,
2: no, the opportunity cost is huge.
1: First round letdown. Um, like, you know, the, the dolphins upset the bills on the road, like 20 to 19 and Knox scores two touchdowns. Like, it's like, a such a very specific game that I would consider playing him in, and even then, it's like I don't, dude. I, I, okay, I'm not hating on your Dawson Knox love, but you know we would have to really, really hone in on a specific scenario. If the Bills play multiple, <laughs> if the if the Bills play multiple games, I mean, I I want Diggs or I want Allen. Like it's just not. I don't think that like we're not talking about their running backs. You know, we're not talking about Gabe Davis. Like they play, they play multiple games. You know, they play two games at least. You want digs, and if they're playing three or more, I mean, probably going to want Allen. So, so
2: way. we're not going to uh, we're not going to utilize Isaiah McKenzie here as a uh, you know like a real dart <laughs> throw. Hey.
1: If, if, <laughs> if you, if, if, if you have uh, if you have Biff's all almanac and you could tell me, you know, what was going to happen this weekend and convince me yeah. of a certain scenario, then maybe we could talk uh, about Knox. So, OK. Yeah. So Ingram's got the upside. You know, you, you highlighted Knox and then, you know, with Kittle, I mean, he's just literally been one of the hottest players in, in all of fantasy since Brock yep. Purdy took over.
2: Yep. He's a tight end three on the week. Should see around 13 points in an average outing. Uh, 75th percentile at 17.5. You see 20% of his matches going over 20. Um, Christian McCaffrey has an insane projection. I actually feel pretty decent about San Francisco um, being a a usable team here. Uh, But yeah, Kittle would be a great way to do it um, for certain strategies. But GLSP likes him week one. Uh, Not that I can predict what the results would spit out. But given what we've seen from him lately, I would imagine if San Francisco advanced, we'd see a pretty nice projection as well in week two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like him and McCaffrey are the, the two obvious options unless you're going 49ers to the Super Bowl, in which case, you know, Purdy could Purdy would like be a, super crazy, interesting. Yeah. A crazy interesting uh, you know, option there. But um, you know, it it it's interesting to think about, you know, and we've got a couple of days to do it as we're wrapping up here you know, how exactly, what do we think the ownership on Kelsey is going to be? Right. And because, you know, Kelsey had those games, I mean, he had a number of games where, you know, he just absolutely smashed. And, you know, in the rear view, he had an incredible season. But, you know, the Chiefs offense felt like it it, it veered a little bit of a different direction over the last month of the season. You know, McKinnon yeah. emerging as a red zone threat. And, you know, I mean, Kelsey, I mean, he feels like a player that could be, you know, greater than 50%. You know, with, the, with some of the other quarterback options that, yep. that are there, it's like, you know, you got Jalen Hurts, you know, with all of his upside, you know, you got Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen's a four-game option. And, you know, with Hurts being the same three-game option that Mahomes is, but, uh, you know, having probably asymmetric upside to any of his weapons on his team in contrast to, to Mahomes – I just feel like so many people are going to naturally gravitate towards Kelsey so Kittle just becomes really interesting in a, you know especially in a scenario where you know you want to play Mahomes or you hypothesize you know one and done Chiefs somehow or or maybe even two game Chiefs situation where you want to play you know McKinnon or somebody you know crazy like that so right yeah we we're going to have to think about Kittle a little bit it's yeah. going to be it, That's a
2: tough one. Hearing you say that makes me think about how important it's going to be to get the team on the NFC side that goes to the Super Bowl right. Because I think that could make a lot of things because the, the ownership percentage for Mahomes and Kelsey is going to be so high. But the amount of people that get the you know, quarterback or whatever position is on the NF side that you go for, I think is going to be something that, uh, you know, can really distance yourself from a lot of the other teams. Cause the, the thing I'm not really sure about either is, um, you know, on the AFC side, Josh Allen, Travis, Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Those are guys I can say with a lot of certainty, you know, going to be approaching the, the leaderboard in terms of how often they are rostered on the NFC side. I don't know if there's players that I feel as strongly in predicting them, you know, coming to that 50% type of range. Although I feel like there might be one or two obvious players I'm missing. Justin Jefferson, maybe Justin, yeah. Or, yeah. But if we move off of Jefferson, like, I'm not sure what people are going to do with Jalen hurts.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would, it would help if we had more of a clear picture on his health, but at the yeah. same time, that'll keep his ownership down. And right. I mean, Jeez, I mean, nobody. In, I mean, nobody in in the th- in a three week scenario. I mean, nobody has more upside than him. I mean, there's right. other people that would have similar upside, but you know, you would think if if they go win the Super Bowl, you know, it's going to be on the back of Hurts and like double points Hurts in the Super Bowl. Yeah, nuts, man. I mean, right. He'd have, he'd have 60 points yeah he'd have, he'd have 70 yeah. Oh he'd my have, god. He'd have 80 points so <laughs> he'd have 80 points hey, in the Super oh Bowl, my god I mean, it's just nut, it's just uh, nuts so yeah yeah we, we we're gonna have to trim this one because right I think as interesting as it is for people to hear us start to throw all this out I want us to I want us to get a little bit more organized on our commentary around each team, either that or we can change Thursday night into a live stream and I'll offer some back and forth and we can do the long form two hour thing, three hour thing where we really just go through it, which would be fun too. Um, So we got to think about that. Um, You know, I know, you know, some of our friends, you know, over on ship chasing, you want to listen into Hassan, you know, he always does. Hassan Rahim always does a, a fun breakdown of, of the FFPC playoff challenge. So there's going to be ways to get that type of content too. And I'm sure, you know, calm and Sean will have uh, a video on YouTube that they will upload as well. So Dave and I will really hone in on what that, that Thursday night, Friday morning content is going to look like, but we can assure you, we're going to give you a little bit of insight into what at least one of our specific lineups is going to look like.
2: Yeah, for sure. Cause I guess the closing thought that I have here is what's so fun about this is you have, an amount of information. That's just enough. I feel like in your head to start working through most of the scenarios, it's, you know, there's a lot of things you can try to control for in your mind. Uh, but you know, obviously there's still a ton of ton more ways it could actually play out than you're anticipating, but, uh, right. that's what makes it such a fun exercise. looks like that might've given you one last thought.
1: I, I mean, it might just be because it's the time of year, but I mean, this might be more fun than regular fantasy. I think it, we can it be- really might be. It, it might really be. might be. Yeah, it, it might be. It's, it's so good, man. It's so good. Well, I can't wait to get back with you on, on Thursday and uh, we will we will really get into building the lineups for the listeners.
2: Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.